Unbound Theatre presents Sounds and Sweet Airs, the complete works of William Shakespeare. King John, Act Three. to swear a peace, false blood to false blood joined, gone to be friends, shall Louis have Blanche, and Blanche those provinces, it is not so. Thou hast misspoke, misheard, be well advised, tell o'er thy tale again, believe me, I do not believe thee, man, I have a king's oath to the contrary. Thou shalt be punished for thus frightening me, for I am sick and capable of fears. Oppressed with wrongs, and therefore full of fears, a widow, husbandless, subject to fears, a woman, naturally born to fears, and though thou now confess thou didst but jest, with my vexed spirits I cannot take a truce, but they will quake and tremble all this day. What dost thou mean by shaking of thy head? Why dost thou look so sadly on my son? Be these sad signs confirmers of thy words? And speak again, not all thy former tale, but this one word, whether thy tale be true. As true as I believe you think them false, that give you cause to prove my saying true. Oh, if thou teach me to believe this sorrow, teach thou this sorrow how to make me die, and let belief and life encounter so as doth the fury of two desperate men, which in the very meeting fall and die. Louis marry Blanche! Oh, Boy, then where art thou? France, friends with England, what becomes of me? Fellow, be gone. I cannot brook thy sight. This news hath made thee a most ugly man. What other harm have I, good lady, done, but spoke the harm that is by others done? Which harm within itself so heinous is as it makes harmful all that speak of it. I do beseech you, madam, be content. If thou that bidst me be content, wert grim, ugly and slanderous to thy mother's womb, full of unpleasing blots and sightless stains, lame, foolish, crooked, swart, prodigious, patched with foul moles and eye-offending marks, I would not care. I then would be content, for then I should not love thee, no, nor thou become thy great birth, nor deserve a crown. But thou art fair. And at thy birth, dear boy, nature and fortune joined to make thee great. Of nature's gifts thou mayst with lilies boast, and with the half-blown rose. But fortune, oh, she is corrupted, changed, and won from thee. She adulterates hourly with thine uncle John, and with her golden hand hath plucked on France to tread down fair respect of sovereignty, and made his majesty the board to theirs. France is a board to fortune, and King John, that strumpet fortune, that usurping John. Tell me, thou fellow, is not France forsworn? Envenom him with words, or get thee gone, and leave those woes alone, which I alone am bound to underbear. Pardon me, madam, I may not go without you to the king's. Thou mayst, thou shalt. I will not go with thee. I will instruct my sorrows to be proud, for grief is proud and makes his owner stoop. To me and to the state of my great grief, let kings assemble, for my grief so great that no supporter but the huge firm earth can hold it up. Here I and sorrow sit, 
here is my throne. Bid kings come bow to it. It is true, fair daughter. And this blessed day ever in France shall be kept festival. To solemnise this day, the glorious sun stays in his course and plays the alchemist, turning with splendour of his precious eye the meagre cloddy earth to glittering gold. The yearly course that brings this day about shall never see it but a holy day. A wicked day, and not a holy day. What hath this day deserved? What hath it done, that in it golden letters should be set among the high tides in the calendar? Nay, rather turn this day out of the week, this day of shame, oppression, perjury. Or, if it must stand still, let wives with child pray that their burthens may not fall this day, lest that their hopes prodigiously be crossed. But on this day let seamen fear no wreck, no bargains break that are not this day made. This day, all things begun, come to ill end. Yea, faith itself to hollow falsehood change. My heaven, lady, you shall have no cause to curse the fair proceedings of this day. Have I not pawned to you, my majesty? You have beguiled me with a counterfeit resembling majesty, which, being touched and tried, proves valueless. You are forsworn, forsworn. You came in arms to spill mine enemy's blood, but now in arms you strengthen it with yours. The grappling vigour and rough frown of war is cold in amity and painted peace, and our oppression hath made up this league. Arm, arm you heavens, against these perjured kings. A widow cries, be husband to me, heavens. Let not the hours of this ungodly day wear out the day in peace, but ere sunset set armed discord twixt these perjured kings. Hear me, oh, hear me. Lady Constance, peace. War! War, no peace. Peace is to me a war. Oh, Limoges. Oh, Austria. Thou dost shame that bloody spoil. Thou slave. Thou wretch. Thou coward. Thou little valiant, great in villainy. Thou ever strong upon the stronger side. Thou fortune's champion that dost never fight but when her humorous ladyship is by to teach thee safety. Thou art perjured too, and soothest up greatness. What a fool art thou, a ramping fool, to brag and stamp and swear upon my party. Thou cold-blooded slave, hast thou not spoke like thunder on my side, been sworn my soldier, bidding me depend upon thy stars, thy fortune and thy strength, and dost thou now fall over to my foes? Where thou a lion's hide! Doff it for shame, and hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. Oh, that a man should speak those words to me. And hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. Thou darest not say so, villain, for thy life. And uh, hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. We like not this. Thou dost forget thyself. Here comes the holy legate of the Pope. Hail, you anointed deputies of heaven. To thee, King John, my holy errand is. I, Pandolf, of fair Milan Cardinal, and from Pope Innocent the Legate here, do in his name religiously demand why thou against the Church, our Holy Mother, so willfully dost spurn, and force perforce keep Stephen Langton, chosen Archbishop of Canterbury, from that Holy See. This in our foresaid Holy Father's name, Pope Innocent, I do demand of thee. What earthy name to interrogatories can task the free breath of a sacred king? Thou canst not, Cardinal, 
devise a name so slight, unworthy, and ridiculous to charge me to an answer as the Pope. Tell him this tale, and from the mouth of England add thus much more that no Italian priest shall tithe or toll in our dominions. But as we, under heaven, our supreme head, so under him that great supremacy, where we do reign, we will alone uphold, without the assistance of our mortal hand. So tell the Pope, all reverence set, apart to him and his usurped authority. Brother of England, you blaspheme in this. Though you and all the kings of Christendom are led so grossly by this meddling priest, dreading the curse that money may buy out, and by the merit of vile gold, dross, dust, purchase corrupted pardon of a man who in that sale sells pardon from himself. Though you and all the rest so grossly led this juggling witchcraft with revenue cherish. <sighs> Yet I alone, alone do me oppose against the Pope and count his friends my foes. Then, by the lawful power that I have, thou shalt stand cursed and excommunicate. And blessed shall he be that doth revolt from his allegiance to an heretic. And meritorious shall that hand be called, canonised and worshipped as a saint, that takes away by any secret course thy hateful life. Oh, lawful let it be that I have room with Rome to curse a while. Good, holy cardinal, cry thou amen to my keen curses, for without my wrong there is no tongue hath power to curse him right. There's law and warrant, lady, for my curse. And for mine too? When law can do no right, let it be lawful that law bar no wrong. Law cannot give my child his kingdom here, for he that holds his kingdom holds the law. Therefore, since law itself is perfect wrong, how can the law forbid my tongue to curse? Philip of France, on peril of a curse, let go the hand of that arch-heretic, and raise the power of France upon his head, unless he do submit himself to Rome. Looks thou pale, France? Do not let go thy hand. Look to that, devil, lest that France repent, and by disjoining hands, hell lose a soul. King Philip, listen to the cardinal. And hang a calfskin on her recreant limbs. Well, ruffian, I must pocket up these wrongs, because... Your breeches may best carry them. Philip, what sayest thou to the cardinal? What should he say, but as the cardinal? Bethink you, father, for the difference is the purchase of a heavy curse from Rome... Or the light loss of England for a friend. Forgo the easier. The king is moved, and answers not to this. Oh, be removed from him, and answer well. Do so, King Philip. Hang no more in doubt. Hang nothing but a calfskin, most sweet lout. I am perplexed, and know not what to say. What canst thou say but will perplex thee more, if thou stand excommunicate and cursed? Good reverend cardinal, make my person yours. And tell me how you would bestow yourself this royal hand and mine unnewly knit, and the conjunction of our inward souls married in league, coupled and linked together with all religious strength of sacred vows. The latest breath that gave the sound of words was deep-sworn faith, peace, amity, true love between our kingdoms and our royal selves. But even before this truce, but knew before, no longer than we could well wash our hands to clap this royal bargain of a peace, heaven knows... They were besmeared and overstained with slaughter's pencil, where revenge did paint the fearful difference of insensate kings. And shall these hands, 
so lately purged of blood, so newly joined in love, so strong in both, unyoke this seizure and this kind regret. Play fast and loose with faith, so jest with heaven. Make such inconstant children of themselves as now again to snatch our palm from palm, unswear faith sworn, and on the marriage bed of smiling peace to march a bloody host and make a riot on the gentle brow of true sincerity. O oh, holy madam, my reverend mother, let it not be so. Out of your grace, devise, ordain, impose some gentle order, and then we shall be blessed to do your pleasure and continue friends. All form is formless. Order orderless, save what is opposite to England's love. Therefore to arms, be champion of our church, or let the church, our mother, breathe her curse, a mother's curse, on her revolting son. France, thou mayst hold a serpent by the tongue, a chafed lion by the mortal paw, a fasting tiger safer by the tooth, then keep in peace that hand which thou dost hold. I may disjoin my hand, but not my faith. So makest thou faith an enemy to faith, and like a civil war setst oath to oath, thy tongue against thy tongue. O oh, let thy vow first made to heaven, first be to heaven performed, that is to be the champion of our church. What sins thou swarest is sworn against thyself, and may not be performed by thyself. For that which thou hast sworn to do amiss is not amiss when it is truly done. And being not done, where doing tends to ill, the truth is then most done not doing it. It is religion that doth make vows kept, but thou hast sworn against religion. By what thou swearst against the thing thou swearst, thou makest an oath, the surety for thy truth against an oath. The truth thou art unsure to swear, swears only not to be forsworn, else what a mockery should it be to swear. But thou dost swear only to be forsworn, and most forsworn to keep what thou dost swear. Therefore thy later vows against thy first are in thyself rebellion to thyself, and better conquest never canst thou make than arm thy constant and thy nobler parts against those giddy, loose suggestions upon which better part our prayers come in, if thou vouchsafe them. But if not, then know the peril of our curses light on thee, so heavy as thou shalt not shake them off, but in despair die under their black weight. Rebellion, flat rebellion. Will it not be? Will not a calfskin stop that mouth of thine? Father, to arms! Upon thy wedding day, against the blood that thou hast married. What, shall our feast be kept with slaughtered men? Shall braying trumpets and loud churlish drums, clamours of hell, be measures to our pomp? Husband, hear me. Aye, alack, how new is husband in my mouth? Even for that name, which till this time my tongue did ne'er pronounce, upon my knee I beg, go not to arms against mine uncle. Oh, upon my knee, made hard with kneeling, I do pray to thee, thou virtuous Dauphin, alter not the doom forethought by heaven. 
Now shall I see thy love. What motive may be stronger with thee than the name of wife? That which upholdeth him that thee upholds, his honour. Oh, thine honour, Louis, thine honour. I muse your majesty doth seem so cold when such profound respects do pull you on. I will denounce a curse upon his head. Thou shalt not need England. I will fall from thee. Oh, fair return of banished majesty. Oh, foul revolt of French inconstancy. France, thou shalt rule this hour within this hour. Old time, the clock setter. That bold sexton time. Is it as he will? Well then, France shall rue. The sun is o'ercast with blood. Fair day, adieu. Which is the side that I must go withal? I am with both. Each army hath a hand, and in their rage I having hold of both. They swirl asunder and dismember me. Husband, I cannot pray that thou mayest win. Uncle, I needs must pray that thou mayest lose. Father, I may not wish the fortune thine. Grandam, I will not wish thy fortunes thrive. Whoever wins on that side shall I lose. Assured loss before the match be played. Lady, with me, with me thy fortune lies. There where my fortune lives, there my life dies. Cousin, go draw our poussants together. France, I am burned up with inflaming wrath. A rage whose heat hath this condition that nothing can allay. Nothing but blood, the blood, and dearest valued blood of France. Thy rage sham burn thee up, and thou shalt turn to ashes, ere our blood shall quench that fire. Look to thyself, thou art in jeopardy. No more than he that threats. To arms, let's hie! <laughs> By my life, this day grows wondrous hot. Some airy devil hovers in the sky and pours down mischief. Austria's head lie there while Philip breathes. Hubert, keep this boy. Philip, make up. Another is assailed in our tent. And Tayen, I fear. My lord, I rescued her. Her highness is in safety, fear you not. But on, my liege, for... Very little pains will bring this labour to an happy end. So shall it be. Your grace shall stay behind, so strongly guarded. Cousin, look not sad. Thy grandam loves thee, and thy uncle will as dear be to thee as thy father was. Oh, this will make my mother die with grief. Cousin, away for England, haste before, and, ere our coming, see thou shake the bags of hoarding abbots. Imprisoned angels set at liberty, the fat ribs of peace must by the hungry now be fed upon. Use our commission in his utmost force. Bell, book, and candle shall not drive me back when gold and silver becks me to come on. 
I leave your highness. Grandam, I will pray, if ever I remember to be holy, for your fair safety. So, I kiss your hand. Farewell, gentle cousin. Cuz, farewell. Come hither, little kinsman. Hark, a word. Come hither, Hubert. Oh, my gentle Hubert. We owe thee much. Within this wall of flesh there is a soul counts thee her creditor, and with advantage means to pay thy love. And my good friend, thy voluntary oath lives in this bosom, dearly cherished. Give me thy hand. I had a thing to say, but I will fit it with some better time. By heaven, Hubert, I am almost ashamed to say what good respect I have of thee. I am much bounden to your majesty. Good friend. Thou hast no cause to say so yet, but thou shalt have, and creep time near so slow. Yet it shall come from me to do thee good. I had a thing to say, but let it go. Oh, if that thou couldst see me without eyes, hear me without thine ears, and make reply without a tongue, using conceit alone, without eyes, ears, and harmful sounds of words, then, in despite of brooded watchful day, I would into thy bosom pour my thoughts. But... Ah, I will not. Yet I love thee well. And by my troth, I think thou lovest me well. So well, that what you bid me undertake, though that my death were adjunct to my act, by heaven I would do it. Do not I know thou wouldst? Good Hubert, 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 throw thine eye on yon young boy. I'll tell thee what, my friend. He is a very serpent in my way. And wheresoe'er this foot of mine doth tread, he lies before me. Dost thou understand me? Thou art his keeper. And I'll keep him so, that he shall not offend your majesty. Death. My lord. A grave. He shall not live. Enough. I could be merry now. Hubert, I love thee. Well, I'll not say what I intend for thee. Remember, madam, fare you well. I'll send those powers over to your majesty. My blessing go with thee. For England, cousin, go. Hubert shall be your man. Attend on you, with all true duty. On toward Calais, ho! So, by a roaring tempest on the flood, a whole armada of convicted sail is scattered and disjoined from fellowship. Courage and comfort. All shall yet go well. What can go well, when we have run so ill? Are we not beaten? Is not Angie lost? Arthur Tayen prisoner? Divers dear friends slain and bloody England into England gone? Oh, bearing interruption, spite of France? Look who comes here. A grave unto a soul, holding the eternal spirit against her will. In the vile prison of afflicted breath, I prithee, lady, go away with me. Lo. No. Now I now see the issue of your peace. Patience, good lady. Comfort, gentle Constance. No, I defy all counsel, all redress. But that which ends all counsel, true redress, death. Death. Oh, amiable, lovely death. Thou odoriferous stench, sound rottenness. Come, grin on me, and I will think thou smilest and kiss thee as thy wife. Misery's love, oh, come to me. Oh, fair affliction, peace. No, no, I will not, having breath to cry. 
Oh, that my tongue were in the thunder's mouth. Then with a passion would I shake the world. Lady, you utter madness and not sorrow. Thou art not holy to belie me so. I am not mad. This hair I tear is mine. My name is Constance. I was Geoffrey's wife. Young Arthur is my son. And he is lost. I am not mad. I would to heaven I were, for then tis like I should forget myself. Oh, if I could. What grief should I forget? Preach some philosophy to make me mad, and thou shalt be canonised, Cardinal. For being not mad, but sensible of grief, my reasonable part produces reason how I may be delivered of these woes, and teaches me to kill or hang myself. If I were mad, I should forget my son. Or madly think a babe of clouts were he. I am not mad. Too well, too well I feel the different plague of each calamity. Bind up these tresses. Oh, what love I note in the fair multitude of those her hairs. Where but by chance a silver drop hath fallen, even to that drop ten thousand wiry friends do glue themselves in sociable grief. Like true, inseparable, faithful love sticking together in calamity. To England, if you will. Bind up your hairs. Yes, that I will. And wherefore will I do it? I tore them from their bonds and cried aloud, all that these hands could so redeem my son as they have given these hairs their liberty. But now I envy at their liberty and will again commit them to their bonds because my poor child is a prisoner. And, Mother Cardinal, I have heard you say that we shall see and know our friends in heaven. If that be true, I shall see my boy again. For since the birth of Cain, the first male child to him that did but yesterday suspire, there was not such a gracious creature born. But now will canker sorrow eat my bud and chase the native beauty from his cheek and he will look as hollow as a ghost, as dim and meagre as an ague's fit and so he'll die and rising so again when I shall meet him in the court of heaven. I shall not know him. Therefore, never, never must I behold my pretty Arthur more. You hold too heinous a respect of grief. She talks to me that never had a son. You are as fond of grief as of your child. Grief fills the room up of my absent child. Lies in his bed, walks up and down with me. Puts on his pretty looks, repeats his words. Remembers me of all his gracious parts. Stuffs out his vacant garments with his form. Then have I reason to be fond of grief? Fare you well. Had you such a loss as I, I could give better comfort than you do. I will not keep this form upon my head when there is such disorder in my wit. Oh, Lord, my boy, my Arthur, my fair son, my life, my joy, my food, my all the world, my widow comfort, and my sorrow's cure. I fear some outrage, and I'll follow her. 
There's nothing in this world that can make me joy. Life is as tedious as a twice-told tale vexing the dull ear of a drowsy man. And bitter shame hath spoiled the sweet world's taste, that it yields naught but shame and bitterness. What have you lost by losing of this day? All days of glory, joy and happiness. No, no. When fortune means to men most good, she looks upon them with a threatening eye. Tis strange to think how much King John hath lost in this which he accounts so clearly won. Are not you grieved that Arthur is his prisoner? As heartily as he is glad, he hath him. Your mind is all as youthful as your blood. Now, hear me speak with a prophetic spirit. For even the breath of what I mean to speak shall blow each dust, each straw, each little rub out of the path which shall directly lead thy foot to England's throne. And therefore mark, John hath seized Arthur. And it cannot be that whilst warm life plays in that infant's vein, the misplaced John should entertain an hour, one minute, nay, one quiet breath of rest. That John may stand, then Arthur needs must fall. So be it, for it cannot be but so. But what shall I gain by young Arthur's fall? You, in the right of Lady Blanche, your wife, may then make all the claim that Arthur did. And lose it, life and all, as Arthur did. How green you are, and fresh in this old world. John lays you plots. The times conspire with you. This act so evilly born shall cool the hearts of all his people and freeze up their zeal, that none so small advantage shall step forth to check his reign, but they will cherish it. No natural exhalation in the sky, no scope of nature, no distempered day, but they will pluck away his natural cause and call them meteors, prodigies and signs, abortives, presages and tongues of heaven, plainly denouncing vengeance upon John. Maybe he will not touch young Arthur's life, but hold himself safe in his prisonment. Oh, sir, when he shall hear of your reproach, if that young Arthur be not gone already, even at that news he dies, and then the hearts of all his people shall revolt from him. O oh, noble Dauphin, go with me to the king. Tis wonderful what may be wrought out of their discontent, now that their souls are top full of offence. For England go, I will wet on the king. Strong reasons make strong actions. Let us go. If you say I, the king will not say no. King John was written by William Shakespeare. It starred T.J. Lee as John, Katie Herbert as Constance, Christopher Courtney as the Bastard, Mimi Brown as Louis, Andrew Faber as Philip, John North as Arthur, Mary Hall as Eleanor, Hannah Rogers as Blanche, 
Jack Knight as Hubert, Andrea Richardson as Salisbury, Amber Kendrick as Austria, and Christine Garvey as Pandolf. Title music was by Dream Cave, additional music by Epidemic Sound, and sound recording by Gareth Johnson. It was produced and directed by Dario Knight for Unbound. Thank you.